Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield. And in this week's episode, we are joined by Michelle Pratt, who is the founder of Safe in the Seat, one of my favorite Instagram accounts to follow for a maraud of reasons. Reason number one, car seat safety. Don't underestimate it because there's a lot that we don't know. Jordan and I were taking notes in this episode because Michelle is filled with knowledge. She is the go-to resource for parents, guardians, everywhere for car seat safety. She's a mom. She's a nationally certified child passenger safety technician. She's a complete judgment-free approach to car seat safety. She doesn't make you feel bad if they were doing something incorrectly. She just wants to help you and your family be safe in the car. She has tons of resources. She's kickstarting her YouTube channel. Her Instagram account is amazing. Definitely go check out her reels. But in this episode, Michelle walks us through car seat safety 101, what we're doing wrong, what we could be doing to make the car a safe and happier place for everyone in our family, and also just Michelle's energy and her personality. I love her. She was such a pleasure to talk to. We really connected, and I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. If you know any parents that are expecting their first child or another child, and you think that this episode would be helpful for them, definitely share this along because I think that this is going to be one of the most popular episodes on Just the Good Stuff. And as always, if you have a hot minute and you want to rate and review, subscribe, please feel free to do so. It means so much to us when you do. I am going to stop talking now and let you guys dive right into this episode. Thank you so much for being open to coming on Just the Good Stuff. We're so excited to chat with you. I feel like I have studied you for the last, I don't even know how long. I listened to a bunch of podcast episodes with you and did a deep dive on your Instagram. And so did Jordan. So this is my husband, Jordan, by the way. But we're excited to hop right on in. And I'd love to start off and have you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us who you are. Yeah. So uh, I'm Michelle of Safe in the Seat. I am a mom first. So I'm a mom of two kids. My kids are a little bit older. They're, uh, gosh, my son's going to be 10. I cannot even believe that in July. And my daughter just turned seven. And um, most people know me because of my car seat safety knowledge. So I'm a nationally certified child passenger safety technician, which is quite the mouthful. Just to say that I know a lot about car seats and how, you know, hopefully what we really try to do at Safe in the Seat is to really empower parents with how to protect their kids in the car and make all of it a bit less overwhelming, a bit more, you know, empowering and without any shame or judgment. So uh, I'm just a mom like everybody else, just trying to make it through the day (laughs) and and, and help parents in any way that I can with at least this area that I'm an expert in. Well, first of all, I think having a 10-year-old and 7-year-old, you seem so much lighter and just like energized than we do right now. So like you're giving me something to look forward to in a few years. And you are in the, you're in the thick of it. It's like everybody yeah. says the... I mean, my daughter, should I even say this in the podcast? She flicked me off yesterday. That's amazing. Like I would, my my four year old would do that now, which is somewhat like, um, questionable. Bigger but kids, <laughs> bigger problems in the sense that you're like, what, what do I do with that? Yeah, you know, like figure out smart you. No, but it's like anytime we talked, we interviewed someone last week, and they had kids similar age, and they just seem so like light and airy and energized. I'm like, wow, we're gonna get that 
va va boom back. Yeah, well, um, I hope you are feeling that it's fake too. Some of it's so just you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it seems real. But so, how did you like start this career path? Like, what made you all of a sudden decide to be like the car seat guru professional? Like, how did you know this was a thing? So, like everybody, I think when they first meet me, are like, oh my gosh, you love car seats, and I'm like, yeah. Like, it's not about the car seats for me. It's about the connection with moms, especially not that I don't connect with dads a lot, but moms especially are, you know, who my audience is. And for me, when I had my son, you know, I was like a a relatively educated, you know, reasonably good resources around me. And it was hard. I will never forget walking into that wall you know, when we still did registries in person almost 10 years ago. And I was so overwhelmed. Like, how am I supposed to know what to do, how to do this? And then, you know, when you, a lot of first time moms, especially we think we're the only ones that have ever felt that way. And so I kind of just was like ashamed. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to know how to do this. And then when my son was born, it was the biggest, I had a a very sort of traumatic birth experience. And I thought that was going to be the hard part, but it ended in a huge fight in the parking lot with my then spouse, because we didn't know what the hell we were doing with the car seat. And I'm like, nobody thought to tell us this. And like, how hard, how hard can this be? Like, I I have a master's degree, people, like I should be able to figure this out. And it was hard. And I think just over time, that was in the back of my head. And I started connecting with other moms who were like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing either. We're like, why doesn't anybody tell us what to do or like show us and not in a way that's judgy or shameful or makes you feel small. And I couldn't find anybody in the space that was doing that. And so I said, okay, I feel like this might, this might be an opportunity for me to help. No, there's no one else doing what you're doing. You are literally the person. <laughs> and I mean, me- there are a lot of nationally certified child passenger safety technicians that do amazing work in their communities. Absolutely amazing work in their communities. There is definitely a stigma around us child passenger safety technicians that I, it's one of the core values of safe in the seat is to change how people perceive us. And there are, there are always going to be people that are very, have terrible bedside manner and, and make you feel small when you talk to them. But every content, every piece of content that we put out, we ask ourselves, how is this going to make someone feel? Every single one. It's a key. It's just a, a key part of what we do. And sometimes it's going to make them feel bad because some of the stuff is scary and we know that, but it's, are they going to feel small or judged or shamed? We don't, we don't do content like that. No, you do things very gracefully because like parent like parents are so vulnerable, as you know, and especially like new parents are very impressionable, very sensitive. And you don't want someone to feel like they're like yelling at you or like making you feel bad about oh. yourself. Like when I scroll your feed, I don't feel that way at all. And I know like based off of our stalking, like we F up a lot of stuff in the car seat, but you don't make me feel bad about it. You just make me I feel mean, like, oh, I need to pay attention. Yeah. And if I do, I always want to know about it because then we, we miss the mark on something, you know, I, I don't want that to ever be, I don't want that to be associated with us in any way, because I, I believe in, in my heart that everyone's intention is to do the very best thing for their child. And that obviously means keeping them safe. Like it's, it's just at the core of what we do as parents. 
And we just need sometimes the tools and the resources and the partner to help us navigate some of these, these harder things and to do it in a way that feels good. Yeah. I think like the car seat companies also don't do a great job, like making it easy. Like now having three kids, we've gone through probably six or seven different car seats and every single one is somewhat similar, but extremely different. And it can, it's extremely overwhelming trying to like open that manual and read through it. So like your yes. videos have been extremely helpful in terms of like, you. like you said, yeah, dumb, dumbing it down, but making it still feel very approachable. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's what I've, we're just really getting into more in the YouTube space and starting to do, I was actually right before this, just reviewing some of the rough cuts from installation stuff that we're doing. And I will have non experts watch. Well, frankly, there are two of the um, five people on my team are not car seat safety experts intentionally, very, very intentionally, because they review all content to make sure they're like, so we don't know what that word is or, you know, whatever. (laughs) But I was going through the installation videos and I'm biased because I've done it a lot, but I also am thinking like, this isn't that hard. And I think sometimes we make it feel so big and so untouchable and so complicated when if we would just teach people the basics, then they can, you can apply that skill set to like any, any car seat for the most part, there's always going to be nuances, but like the basics we can get right across the board. So let's dive right on in, in terms of like, what are the most common things that parents or guardians are doing wrong when it comes to car seat safety, which I feel like is kind of a loaded question, but what are like the most common things that people are kind of messing up? So, I mean, I think overarching the greatest thing that we see in like the child passenger safety world is people are moving their kids from one stage to the next too soon. Um, Just trying to like, you know, Susie from Busy Toddler always says there's no award for getting through parenting first or like getting your child through childhood first. And I think that really applies to car seat safety as well. So we see a lot of that just trying to hurry up and rush it when it's not good. You know, this is not something that we want to rush. Um, I think from the manual perspective, like what you what you said, I think people either dismiss the manual altogether or they attempt to read the manual and it, it is so overwhelming. When we were doing YouTube videos, we were trying to follow the manual step-by-step. Step. I, I kid you not, we had to stop so many times because I'm like, I'm sorry, what does that, what? Like, so Becca on my team was reading the parts to me. I know how to install the car seat. And I was like, that, they couldn't, they said something about, they didn't call it a seat. They, they, didn't, they didn't call it buckle in the seatbelt. It was like fastened to the something. And you're like, really? Like, we can't just use normal speak. So I think it's either you don't read the manual at all, or you try to read it and you're like, I'm out. Yeah. And then you don't go back to it as your kids grow. So we see a lot of that with like child fit issues. You know, I think we put kids in car seats. We feel so proud of us when, when we do that. And then we, we need to make adjustments along the way because they get bigger. And that's also super simple. Something we can totally control, but can feel overwhelming. I think in the the stage progression, the like hot topic is rear facing to forward facing. You know, when do you turn them around? And we do see a lot of people turning their kids forward facing too soon. Um, I did. I turned my first too soon because I didn't know. When are you supposed to? So you're supposed to the textbook answer as a child passenger safety technician is when they reach one of the limits of their seat height weight or head height, because their head has to be contained within the shell of the seat. 
So when they hit one of those one and done, you move them on. Now for some kids, they could be five, six, seven years old when that happens. So the Michelle mom answer is, I like people to have a goal of age four in mind. That's just kind of, that's how I want you to buy a car seat. That's how I want you to, in your head, expectation wise, when your significant others, like, please God, when can we get these car seats out of the car? It's like, we can't, not for a long time. So we're just going to deal. For grandparents, like, why are they still, just just think four, just tell people four. Now, there, someone on my team rear-faced their kid till they were seven. Wow. That was not, I rear-faced my daughter till she was four. And then that on the petite side, very, very on the petite side. Yes. Yeah. So max limits for some people could be that. And then it's a matter of, you know, are you going to be rear facing your elementary school child? Kudos to you if you want to. A lot of the research says when we get to a certain age that there's not a ton of benefit between rear facing and forward facing once we get to that four plus age. So that's why I'm comfortable saying a goal of age four in mind is, is ideal. Does each car seat have a different height and weight and like head difference? You know it. Oh, that's confusing. (laughs) I mean, a lot of them, yes, they all have different weight limits and the weight is just so arbitrary in many cases because like a lot of, a lot of car seats now have like a 50 pound rear facing limit, like 50 pounds. Okay. My daughter is 50 pounds. She's seven. Wow. So weight is like not really the indicator. It's the head height that you're, you are like, how close is their head to the top is going to be what we see most commonly outgrown. And that differs based on, based on the car seats. Our kids, like, are how like, would anyone know that? Our kids are in the 100th percentile for head circumference. All three yeah. of them are like crazy large heads. So that's actually a good. Well, that's more reason to keep them uh, rear facing. That is correct because our heads are heavy and they're big and they would put a lot of weight on that spine in forward facing mode. That's exactly right. Because you go work with Michelle. Yeah. Well, the, you, you did a visual about like the spine and head snapping and like the forward or rear facing thing. And just like seeing those visuals, you're just like, well, like, you know, you, you always think in the back of your mind, right? You're doing it for safety, but you don't actually realize that there are like a lot of implications if you were to do things too quickly. Yeah, I think that's another like big part of what we try to do is I feel like if people understand the why, they're going to implement the how, you know, like we have to break it down and not in a why in it. We can get super scientific about things, but I just like kind of the seventh grade version of stuff, you know, just give it to me in a way that I can understand while I'm nursing my kid, while I'm doing, you know, while I'm in the middle of all the things that I have to do. And that example of what happens to a large head on a small body with an underdeveloped spine that means something to people. And you can see that, visualize it. You only have to visualize that once to be like, I'm good. <laughs> I think I'll leave it for a while. Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about that. Does it vary state to state based off of like rules? So in general, we don't look at the laws really because the laws are never as good as what they should be. Like in Florida, they're so terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> we really try to t- target best practice as the as the law, if you will, um, for rear facing, I never want anyone to turn their kid before their age two for these exact reasons that we're talking about. Like, and in many states, it is illegal to turn them before age two, but in some states, it's not. But just for this reason, like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's actually pretty funny you mentioned Florida. We were at Rachel's parents' house in uh, in Florida last month, and I was like, we should just buy car seats to leave down here. 
And then her parents were like, no, they're just going to outgrow them. And then we started looking at the Florida laws and it was like, I forget, but it was some really young age where it's like, you don't even need to be in a booster seat anymore. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel comfortable like not having them in a car seat after like seeing and hearing all these stories. Yeah. This is a personal battle for me at the moment because I'm divorced and my former partner does not believe my children need to be in any sort of car seat safety device because of the law. Um, oh, and are, do you both live in Florida? We do. Yes. And we share time. So my kids are with him, you know, as much as they're with me. And it is definitely a hot topic at the moment, obviously, based on what I do. But just the the, ba- the data, you know, like you see one of crash tests with and without a booster for a kid who's not ready to ride without one. And it's like, how can you possibly argue <laughs> this is a good idea? So, yes, the Florida laws are maybe one day I'll are you from florida i um was born in pittsburgh but lived there for a very short time and then was raised in naples okay interesting you didn't like you you don't radiate like floridian like it's me i thought would have thought you were from new york yeah i get that sometimes that i'm a little more that style not as laid back in that the floridian like yes (laughs) i went to I i spent my time up you know in I don't know that that really fits me either. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I feel like I connect to you. Like I usually, I love people, like my best friends from Florida, but like, you know, it's a different type of person, you yeah. know, different, different yeah. vibe. Yes. But maybe I'd be happy just... to be out of Florida. I'll tell you that. It's so hot. <laughs> it's I too agree. much. I agree. Yeah, we, when we were there, Rachel was complaining about how hot it was. It was 85 but... degrees. I'm like, this is not okay to me in January. I need to like sweat. I, mean, I know. I need to be yeah. You need to. Yeah. I would love the seasons. I lived in Nashville for a while for work and oh, that cool. at least gave me some of the like, Oh, I can actually wear boots. You know, I post all the time in stories. I'm like, everybody in Florida is wearing Uggs today because it's 65 degrees. Like we finally get to wear some far winter stuff. I'd be That's in a tank top and shorts if it was 65 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we could just um, go back a little bit and talk about when parents leave the hospital yeah. Or even before that, when they're, like you said, kind of putting together their registries, what are some of like tips or tricks, or do you have resources to kind of help people navigate the wide variety of, of uh, car seats they could purchase? Yeah. So we created, and I will say it's hands down the best thing on the market, <laughs> which is the car seat buying kits <laughs> for this exact reason, because I was trying in all these individual consults, one-on-one consults, and then with all these free downloads, to attempt a way for people to navigate all the choices and what is the best one. And so we spent about 18 months developing Hersey buying kits that take people through, they're really affordable intentionally, um, that take people through what we call the seven C's of selection, cost, convenience, child, um, crash, just different areas to look at. And then they take a quiz and then we spit out a recommended Hersey list. So if that's in somebody's wheelhouse, I... I just, I'm obviously very, very biased, but it's a, it's our best-selling product and it has helped awesome. so many parents to just say, I, and it takes 20 minutes, maybe less. So, you know, that's been huge. I think when people are, so let's like take that out. If you're looking at that wall of car seats or you are hearing 8,000 things from your friends about, you have to get this car seat because this is the best car seat and I love this car seat. Or you see your friend's stroller and you love that it fits a certain car seat or whatever. What I what I encourage everybody to do is to not choose a car seat based on price point or aesthetics or friend recommendations. <laughs> because that those three filters can come in later. 
if you want them to, but we have to really think more about vehicle fit and child fit as the first two things to look at. And unfortunately, they're the hardest freaking things to look at when you have no idea what you're doing because you've never done this before. And even if you have done it before, if I said to you guys who have three kids, um, what do we know about the child fit uh, within your car seats? What's the trajectory of how long they're going to last in a rear facing? You'd be like, what are you talking about? No, no, I never thought about that. Because why would you think about it? Again, that's why we created those kits because it's all the questions you didn't even know you should ask. So I just encourage people to vehicle is one that I do think people can kind of wrap their brains around, like literally look at the car seat. We have resources, there are a ton of resources, free resources out on the internet to understand like, what is the, we call it the footprint, like the size of this seat. And what is it going to look like in my lifestyle? Do I need a light seat? Do I need a heavy seat? Do I need it to fit on a stroller? Do I need a car seat and stroller in one? Like imagining, well, it's very hard to do as a first time parent. Like, yeah. Um, but imagining kind of what that process could look like. And the other thing I'll say to everyone, every car seat sold on the U.S. market is safe to use. You just got to use it right. They all pass the same crash test standard. So you can buy a $60 infant car seat and it is just as safe as the $500 one. The $500 one may have more bells and whistles. It may have more features in it. It may have a washable cover or something but they all pass the same federal crash test standard. So I like parents to know you're doing the right thing, getting a car seat, right? Get a car seat and then know how to use it. Because to me, that's, as we talked about, like coming out of the hospital, like what was it like for you guys when you had your first? Was it, did you know what you were doing? No. No. No, I, I installed it luckily before and he was even four weeks early. So we installed it pretty early. Cause we had it and I, I'm very neurotic. So I wanted to make sure it was done, <laughs> done properly. Appreciate I still, that. I still like look back and I don't even think I did it like fully correct now knowing what I know. But when we left, I felt like there was so much, um, stuff in the hospital about like keeping them safe in your home. Right. But then they're just like, all right, throw them in the car seat and you're good to go. Well, for us, it was a little different though, because Ezra was four weeks early, as Jordan said. So he was five pounds and then he was he was under five pounds when we brought him home. So we actually they were at the hospital. They were pretty like paranoid for us. Like we had to do a car seat safety test there. So I felt more at ease because like I had a lot of faith in the test of that he was doing. And then he passed. So then when we went to go take him home. I was kind of like, all right, great. He passed the test in the hospital. He should be good to go. Like the straps and then making sure he's like actually locked into the base. Well, that's right. Like they didn't sit there and show us like this is where the chest, like the buckle should go is where this should go. And then I had posted like, oh, my God, on our way home. And so many people just said, you're not he's not strapped in safely. Like we just did the car seat safety test. Like what do you of course he is. Um, so it was kind of, it's confusing because you think that you're like cleared, you're good to go. And then you get in the car and then, you know, Instagram, like they're not, they don't mean it in a harmful way, but they're like, your kid's not safely. I mean, any post of a car seat and like people are, they're just coming out. Crazy. Crazy. It is. Yeah. But like, I love that the, the pinch test that you talk about, like on their shoulders, like I yeah. do that literally every time we put them in the car, yeah. because our, our two-year-old like now knows how to take the top clip off. Yeah. Like I'm literally like choking yeah. more or less with that. Oh yeah. He like takes it. He takes his arms out of the straps. Our two year old, like he full on like gets himself yeah. out of that car seat. We had a, we used the Nuna Pippa light for huh? Ezra, our oldest, and then gave it to Brody 
But then did he switch it because he kept taking himself out? He yeah, the, the Nuna button he was able to do yeah. pretty easily. And then the one that we now have is like the double clip. So yeah. he has to just like really pinch it to, to pop it open. So he, he can't do that one, but that seat's also like bigger for him. Yeah, it's a better option. We are facing like he could definitely probably make it another year. Where plus. Is that one? I think it's Graco. It's one yeah. of the ones that like grow with you. Yeah, Graco has a double. It, it could be yeah, Bretex has one too. Yeah, that's very common for kids to start doing that stuff, and it's also why that pinch test that you're talking about is so critically important because the chest clip could break open in a car crash anyways. It often does. It's just a positioner for the straps. So as long as those straps are in the right place and they're nice and tight, I'm not going to say we want kids unbuckling chest clips. We don't, but if you're doing everything else, right, then we're in a really, we're, we're still in a really good spot. So can you walk the listeners through what the pinch test is? Yeah. So there's so many different myths that are floating around about how to make sure your child's car seat harness is tight enough. And I'm not going to say them because I don't, I don't want to keep perpetuating them. So the pinch test, um, the first thing is it assumes that there's no slack in the harness at all. So a lot of times like down by the legs, right? This is what I, I, the pictures of my son coming home from the hospital, they're very, if, they're, if social media were a big thing, then I posted it, I would have had a lot of comments too. Because I didn't get any of the slack out around his legs. And as we're talking about, like, why does it matter, right? Connecting things. Actually, I have a reel coming out about this soon. It's because they can slide down. They can, their bodies can move, which could create an unsafe head position in addition to it not being safe in a crash. So you want to make sure that that harness is, there's nothing hanging out down there that isn't tightly around the body. And then you're going to pull that tightening strap right? To get that slack out of that, that harness. And then you pinch up by the collarbone and it's literally just taking your pincher fingers and trying to see if you can easily grab slack with your pincher fingers. Now for the neurotic types, and there are many that sometimes is not enough. Like you're like, well, how hard do I have to work to pinch? Like at what level of pressure am I really trying to grab that slack? And for that type of person, which I fall in that category as well, you would loosen the strap a little bit intentionally, pinch it on purpose, and then slide it out of your, pull the tightening strap and let it slide out of your fingers. That can be helpful for a lot of people if they're like, you know, they just, it's a little hard to know how, how hard should I work to pinch this thing? Is that a test that you can do as early on as like the days you're coming home from the hospital? Yeah, I would do it the days okay. you're coming home um, from the hospital. I think the biggest piece of advice uh, I have for new parents is to practice harnessing. Like a lot of us know, okay, we have to get the base installed, right? Or we have to have a car seat and we have to put it in the car somehow. But this message that I hope I can continue to just like shout from the rooftops is you don't innately know because you now have a child earth side, how to buckle them in. You, you don't just doesn't just appear. And if you think it's easy, wait until you're holding your four pound baby and you're going home for the first time or your eight pound baby, whatever it is, when it's your real life child and you're taking them into the most dangerous contraption that exists. You don't know what you're doing. And so practicing with a doll, a teddy bear, a, a friend's baby, something to just be like, how do I do this? And how do I practice the pinch test? Where do I put the shoulder straps if I have to adjust them the day of the hospital? 
And I'm such a huge advocate of your birth partner being responsible for that because, you know, mom is not able to do all the things. So, and it's a really huge responsibility and a great way to get your partner involved with something super tangible and super important to say, you're going to be responsible for buckling in this baby. So let's get ready you know, before the big day. Well, also two out of two out of the three of Rachel's pregnancies were C-sections. So yep. like she couldn't even lift yeah, the, the car seat to begin with. So yep. yeah, it was, that always fell on me. But I'm, like I said, I'm also the neurotic one. So, but I mean, I'll I just can... carry them in my arms in the car. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> A match made in heaven. I'm Michelle about the nursing just... while the person. Oh, I was actually thinking that. Do you have any tips on breastfeeding your child while they're in the car seat? Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my tip. Don't. And I really, listen, I'm a realist. Like, did I do it? Did I lean my boob over into my kid's face when they were losing their mind in the car? Yes. But now that I know what I know, I would not do it. It is a huge risk for you're a projectile. You, your body are a projectile. You're not buckled up when you're doing that. And imagine the crash force impact of your boob and body into that child. Oh yeah. No, it's not. It's not. I've only attempted it once. And it was when we were in like standstill traffic, yeah, which yeah. isn't safe because like someone could still rear end you. But, right. you know, Cooper was literally nine weeks old screaming and it was over an hour. I started freaking out. But usually if I'm, I, I purposely don't sit with my kids in the back yeah. because if I would like that puts me in the position where I'm like, oh, what can I do? How could I help them? Right. But if I sit in the front, I don't want them to be used to be next to them. Well, actually, what are your thoughts on like the companionship of sitting next to your child. I'm going to get in the front as fast right? as you can do. Yeah. I have parents all the time. They're like, how long do I have to sit in the back seat? And I'm like, you don't have to sit there from day one. It's like a rite of passage. I think for a lot of people that the mom rides in the back next to the baby on the way home, I certainly did it. <laughs> That's what everybody did. But I, I am not, I actually think it can make that separation anxiety far worse when you get to that stage, if they're used to you always being back there and now you're the driver, you know, like, where, yeah. where's where's mom like what's happening so also, I, like, I don't want to sit in the middle seat it's like a know. bump up my butt like I don't want to sit there no it's not and it's oftentimes like not a safe that safe of a position depending on the vehicle that you're in you're like squeezed in between potentially two car seats and yeah like I don't know I, I'd rather be up front <laughs> thank you I support I support your uh yeah and you're right. Then it doesn't give you the options. Like some things, you know, it's like this. Yeah. When we're in the car, we're all booked up and safe in, in our, you know, individual seats. And like, I don't have the option to feed you at the moment. What not that a nine week old would understand that. But. No, definitely not. But what can you do if your child is say like under the age of one and they don't like the car and you're in the front seat and you're driving, like we lived in Hoboken, which is just outside of Manhattan for four years with Ezra and Brody. And they like never were in the car. So anytime we would get in the car, they would scream their balls off because they hated it so much. And we would just be driving. I'm like, whatever, like we play music. But like, do you have any tips on what you could do to make your child enjoy the car? Well, the first thing I'll say is like a screaming child is a breathing child. And sometimes I honestly feel like just having that in our heads can be like helpful to get us through at least a few minutes of the torture that is a screaming child in the car. The first thing I would do with any kid that's losing their mind repeatedly is I would check their car seat fit because truly, and this is not like a cop out. People are like, come on, Michelle, listen, I had a, I had a colic kid. He literally never stops crying. 
Yeah, like ever, never slept. I didn't get an hour of sleep until he was a year old. It was insane. And the, the car was miserable. So I understand it. But for, for most parents, they've not made the proper fit adjustments as their child has grown. And the child is uncomfortable. Not always, but some. Air can be a huge reason that kids are lack of airflow can be a really big reason why kids um, are uncomfortable in their car seats. So figuring out ventilation, there's a product called the noggle that people can use to funnel air to the back. If like a lot of vehicles don't have ceiling vents, which is so bizarre. White noise, like put on an AM radio station can be helpful as well. You can use car seat safe toys, depending on the age of the child that you, um, you know, that you're dealing with. But honestly, that fit adjustment, making sure at the proper recline as well. And try not to feed if that's an issue, like right before you stick them in the car seat, sometimes being on like a super full belly, uh, cannot not be optimal for, for some of our kiddos. Well, some of our friends, their kids have been getting car sick and like throwing up in the car. And I like, didn't even know that that was a thing. Well, good. That's good. Because that means you're not experiencing it. Like we have some people that have really like kids get like get really severe car sickness. Research shows us a lot of times people are like, well, I'm going to turn them forward facing. No, because we have to still protect their spine. And that's most important. And I know it's a royal pain in the ass. Like I get it. Uh, It's a lot. Um, There are some things you can do for car sickness that at least you should kind of rule out vision and hearing testing is often something that people don't think immediately needs to be done when you have a perpetually sick child in the car, but it, it often can be something related to that. Teaching your kid where to look, like not to look at the side motion, like you can even put a target in the back to have them concentrate on. There's like some different, you can use a, like one of those C bands sometimes work for some kids. A big part of car sickness is just the preparation for it, like the smock or the barf bag. If it's a kid that knows they're going to get sick, uh, that's a lot of, a lot of times we, we can do, we tick the list, like to make sure we're check, like we're doing everything we possibly can, but then if they're still getting sick, then it's like prevention. Like how can we prevent the mess that is going to happen? So I'm super glad you don't deal with it because some of these parents that do, it's, it's really, really miserable. Is it something that they grow out of easily? I think it depends on the kid for the most part. Um, you know how some adults too are just like more prone to motion sickness yeah. than others. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely tough. We have a lot of content on like helping like some products that will help or just some cleaning and, you know, things like that. And obviously like check these, I think we have a list of like eight things and make sure that none of this is easily solvable. And then just, we feel sorry for you. We're sorry. That sucks. Is there, speaking of like barf and stuff that we discussed about a car seat, is there a car seat that you think is like the easiest to clean? So they're not necessarily brand specific. There are car seats that um, have washable covers that are easily removable. So I, honest to God, I never, I did a YouTube video of car seat cleaning. I had never removed a car seat cover in my life. I'm not the, I'm, I'm on the neurotic side of things, but I had never wanted to take on the removal of a car seat cover and the putting it back on. I just was a wipe and go, you know, like we're fine. So get in the sun, the peel dry up, like we'll be fine. But I did it on a YouTube video and it was a lot. So, so I would definitely, if washing your car seat, you think will be important to you, 
looking at that as one of the factors, like when I talked about the seven C's, we have convenience in there and washability is one of those convenience factors. So how easily can you, and a lot of them market that now, you know, they'll list like zip off cover, or it'll have a second insert where the butt is that it's like, you can just remove that part, wash that, put it back on things like that, that can make it easier. So if you have a car sick kid, a lot of our parents will look to invest in a different car seat that will help make that process easier if they yeah, don't that, have it. That makes sense. I mean, Brody once just had like a really bad bowel movements and it was like all over the car seat. And yeah. then once I gave him a piece of avocado toast, which was the dumbest thing I could have done and like that got everywhere. So there's been times, but yeah. I was like, how do you, like, you can't just throw the thing in the washing machine. Yeah, some you can. That's why I but, did it. Yeah, that's why I did it. <laughs> That's why you read the manual and you did it yeah. exactly. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, it'll dry in the sun. Like, it'll be fine. I'll just look at it. Who's too into that? Yeah, there's two. You know, when you're dealing with like blowouts, you know, sometimes we have to level up what's what's happening. Yeah. It was yeah. a breast milk blowout, so it was. Oh yeah, special. So we yeah. we've sort of focused on like one kid so far, and then if we kind of moved to like two or three kids, um, is there like a safest seat in the car where you should put your youngest child? So no, I mean, they're really, the statistics on it are negligible in terms of where's the the best place. In general, we say one kid center seat because they're furthest from any point of impact, though the research shows that may not totally be the case. So I, the general rule is put your kid where you get a safe installation every single time. That is the most important way to keep them in the proper vehicle seating position is safe as insulation. When it comes to multiple kids, a lot of times people um, put their older one like more towards the middle. So if we look at, if we, re- if we believe that the middle seat is the safest, which again, take that with a grain of salt, then a lot of times you put your most vulnerable in the middle. So you put your youngest towards the middle and your older is towards the outer outboard seats. That's work sometimes. <laughs> sometimes that doesn't work at all because of lifestyle. You know, if you've got a, and even because of car seat features, again, because insulation is the most important thing. So, you know, putting your newborn in the middle seat and having to hoist it over another kid, like it just could be a lot. So I don't want people worrying about this. Like that's my general message is this is of all the list of worries that we have. Let's just go ahead and bless and release this one. Put your car seats in your car in a configuration where first you have to make sure it's properly installed in every seat, but you need to think about your lifestyle. When you're getting into two and three kids, it's who's getting out where. Do we have a specific side for car right, for car line? Do I have a bad back? How does that look? Like grandma needs to sit in the back. The dog rides in the car. I don't know. Look at all those factors because that's a huge part of deciding who sits where in my book. No, I like that. And that goes the same for the third row too. If you have third row is perfectly safe. Yep. Because we have Ezra in the center. He's four. And then we have like, you know, Brody and Cooper on the ends because Ezra, we unbuckle him. He just climbs over the passenger seat. It's honestly easier because I can't climb over a car seat to put Cooper and he can't even hold his head up. Right. Um, So exactly. You have three, I'm confident you have three safely installed car seats just based on what I've heard today. And that means you're going to look at lifestyle and, and how can you as parents get these three children in and out of the car safely too, because that is a part of it. If you're in the city, if you're street parking, you know, if you're trying to like, you've got to think about how all of that impacts, even just the getting in and out of the car safety. So yeah. 
I just feel like all seats are safe, get a proper insulation and then do what's best for your family. Yeah. And Ezra also being the oldest, like it's good because he helps. So he'll like yes. give Cooper the pacifier, pass a snack to Brody. Like, yep. you know, it's got to be useful back there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's good to get, it, it's good to give older kids like that some jobs sometimes, you know, to make them feel like they're kind of like a safety captain in the back. For sure. And what about like the graduating to a booster seat? What are some things you could look out for when your child gets to a certain age that, that like they should graduate into that new seat? Yeah. When do you do that? So the way to think about booster safety is this. When your kid's in a harness seat, you're in charge of their safety, right? You're in, you're in control. You've installed the seat. You They may help buckle the harness, but you're either checking it or it's at a certain level of tightness that you know, like you're in charge of their safety. When a child switches to a booster seat, you're done. It's their turn because they can move around in any way that they want to. They can sit how they want. They can move the shoulder strap. They can lean forward. They can fall to the side. And so the biggest thing I tell to parents, like my daughter is seven and she just switched to a booster. I wish she could still be on a harness. She outgrew it because that girl still is flopping all around in that seat. And I'm constantly like, Addie, lean back, lean back, get in your seat, sit up straight. I think that's what parents a lot of times like, I can't wait till we get to booster stage. It's like, yeah. Is your kid ready to handle the responsibility of sitting properly 100% of the time? And that's why I say to parents, max out that harness seat because a four-year-old, a five-year-old, they're not mature enough to do that. Even asking my seven-year-old to do that is a major stretch. It's just not, again, we talk about this like progression and not wanting to rush to the next stage. I spend more time talking to her about her car seat now than I did when she was in a harness seat because in a harness seat, I was in control. She didn't have a choice. It was, and she could, at that point, she was buckling herself in and out. So it was like, I really didn't have to do anything. Now she can't reach the buckle. She has trouble buckling it in. She's sitting all crazy. And I'm like, I thought, here we go again. What can you do to like lessen the stigma of having your child in a booster if like their friends aren't in it, like kind of like a comparison trap? Like, well, Mary Lou isn't in the car seat in the booster. Like, why am I? Yeah. Um, I don't totally have an answer on this yet, but it's on my mind because it's happening. Um, it's happening some for, for my kids, as you can imagine. I think starting off early by spinning car seat safety in a positive light from the time they are itty bitty is really important. So I tell parents, like we know our, our kids are going to reflect what we do. Right. So if we're like, God, this seat is so annoying to install. I can't believe we still have to buckle you in. Your legs are way too long to be rear facing. If we're doing all that and saying that stuff to them constantly, then they're going to have a negative association with the seat as well. So I tell people early on, fake it till you make it, man. I know car seats are a pain in the butt. I know they're heavy. I know they're annoying, but they're going to save your child's life in a crash. And we do annoying things all the time for the sake of you know the benefit of our kids. So that positive talk, like my son now, he's getting close to being able to pass what's called the five-step test to ride without a booster. He's more comfortable in one. And because he does his body doesn't slide down. And so now he'll just say, yeah, I ride in a booster because I like it. It feels better for me. And like, I know I'm safer in it. So like uh, my mom will tell me when it's time, I, you know, I can't be in it. And it's a super like low profile boat. Like, I think if we give our kids the power to say like, don't be ashamed, don't feel judged, just like own it, man. Yeah. Then, and different personalities are going to be able to do that better, better than others. 
but I don't have the complete, my daughter, I think is going to be my more difficult one in this regard, uh, for being in a booster longer. The other thing we see is like kids sitting in the front seat too soon. And I'm going to, I know I'm going to start hearing that as well. Like why, why can I not sit in the front seat? And then I'm the parent now with my older kids. And I'm like, because I don't want the airbag to kill you. That's going to be right. You know, I mean, my kids have also like, they know a lot at this point, but I'm like, yeah, I care about you too much to let the airbag kill you in a car crash. So you're going to be back for a while. When can a child or like teenager sit in the car, in the front? They say 13, which I know it's like, they're going to be driving in two years. (laughs) But their bodies are not ready. Like they're just not developed enough. And that airbag can do more harm than good. And for some of our families, like really large families, they have to put a younger kid in the front seat because there's only so much space in the back. But even then we're pushing that vehicle seat far as far back as we can. We're only doing it if we have to. It shouldn't just be like, oh, I have all this room in my car. Yeah. I'm just going to the store. So, you know, my seven-year-old can sit in the front. No. So Rachel and I are both in our early thirties. Like, I don't remember being in a car seat for that long. Like, I don't remember that like ever being an issue or any of our friends being in booster seats, like growing up. When did all this sort of change and like, did they modernize the the rules in like the last decade? I think we've, it's talked about a lot more in the last decade. I think I would say, I mean, I w- I'm way older than you guys. Uh, well, I definitely was not riding in car seats on the regular. I think just like with anything, science and technology have evolved. And as we know, and so there's a huge decrease in the number of fatalities of children in vehicle crashes because of the improvements in car seat safety and the improvements in proper use. Though we still know there is a huge statistic, a very large number of people that are still not using their car seats properly because they are, they're complicated. But there's this thing called survivor bias. So a lot of us that this can happen with anything, but where you, you're like, well, we didn't do it and we're fine. Or like grandparents are notorious for this, right? Well, you didn't ride in a car seat. It's like, well, the people that did and died can't talk about it. <laughs> so there's that, you know, like a lot of times people don't like, yeah, they, there's the huge amount of people that did not survive, but you can't say that to them because they, they're not here anymore. That is so true. I mean, it happens with a ton of different, you know, ton of different things. So it's like, we know better, we do better. The technology, the science has evolved. So we're going to apply it until somebody says, somebody that we trust is the right person to listen to says otherwise. Now, car seats are a pain in the butt when it comes to travel logistics. Yeah. So when we just went to Florida, we rented a car seat from the car rental company. Yep. Some people said that wasn't kosher. Is that you could tell me if it was like the dumbest thing you could have done, but like, what do you recommend if you're traveling and you don't want to check your cart? Like, what do you do? Yeah. So here's what I'll say. Your kids are safe. Your family's safe. And that's what we care about most. Right. In the future, I would prefer you don't rent a car seat. And the reason is we have no idea the history of that car seat. We also, I have so many horror stories from people in the safe in the seat community where they have rented a car seat and they show up to get it. And it's like a booster for a two-year-old or it's like, it's literally the completely wrong stage car seat and they're there and there's no other options. And they're like, Oh shit. What do like, I can't even fake this to be safe at this point. 
that happens all the time, or they'll get a car seat has mold on it, or it'll be, you know, like there are so many horror stories, enough horror stories that my general recommendation is I really don't like this as the best option. Does that mean it's easy to travel? No, it's not easy to travel with kids, period. And then you throw the car seats in and it's a whole nother level of logistics hell. So I get it. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm giving you the best, like the answer you want to hear, but I think renting, in addition with renting car seats, like for you guys, if you have pretty good knowledge of car seats, read manuals, that's helpful. But a lot of parents are going to show up after a long day of travel. They're going to schlep some car seats into the car that are either installed for them, which scares the crap out of me, where they're going to install themselves and they're not the same ones they have at home. So like, and then you got to make harness fit adjustments. And it's just, a, for me, it's a lot of unknowns. It's a lot of what ifs. It's a lot of stuff I can't control. And that for vehicle safety is like those, those words just don't mix for me. So our best recommendation is that you take your car seats with you, or you get lighter weight ones. A lot of people travel with lighter weight seats and you have your kids sitting in them in the airplane seats next to you. That's the kind of the best case scenario. If that's just not an option, then putting them under the plane in something, don't put them in one of those flimsy bags that like, let's say car seat bags <laughs> that you're going to get from Amazon. Yeah. We have one that it's from Amazon, but it has padding, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, I pad it up. The great thing is they don't charge for car seats. So yeah, throw your that. other stuff in there, throw clothes in there, <laughs> diapers in there, like I wish load I it a, up. Like, I wish I had a picture. Car seat, car seat yeah. I don't think so. I think I'm just yeah. going to get all car seat bags and just tell them they're car yeah, seats. So I don't have to pay for them. We, um, <laughs> have you heard of baby quip? Yes. The car rental, like. I guess it's similar to though to when you're, I mean, the baby equipment rental, I guess it's similar to like, if you rent a car seat, like you don't really know. I feel like those services are phenomenal for, you know, pack and pigs and slumber pods or like high chairs or any of that kind of stuff where it's like the safety rate, like you can tell if the pack and play has a leg that's broken on it and you can probably come up with an alternative for a way for your kid to sleep safely. But in this case, you may not have an alternative. If the seat is jacked up, you may not know the history. And for a lot of our parents, it creates, I mean, a long day of travel is a long day of travel with kids. And then if you show up somewhere, I I have so many parents who are like, we got there, we made it through the day. we got, we went to rental. We have three kids. They had one car seat and it was a booster. And then it's 10 p.m. in a city they don't know. And their partner is like trying to find a Target or a Walmart or something. You know, it's just like hell. And to me, that's just that just makes me it gives me hives just even thinking about. No, he would probably drop dead. Well, no, after we did that trip, I saw Shell post about the Costco has a good like one that I thought we should get for your parents' house. Yeah, we should. I was actually talking about this with my mom this morning because Ezra has like spring break and they might maybe we'll take him to Florida. Like, so should I just like rent a car seat? You have three grandsons. It's time to just buy some car seats. Like, especially after talking to you, they're going to be in them until they're like seven. Yeah, I mean, so. we can definitely get some car seats that are if you're going to go to one place over and over like grandparents house and you're traveling with three kids, which is a lot. Yeah. Then if you have a car seat at your destination, that's like from a logistics standpoint, that's fantastic. Now, what are your thoughts on the Duna? Because I love my Duna. I didn't have one with Ezra Brody because we lived in Hoboken. So it didn't make any sense. I wasn't in and out of the car with Cooper. I'm in and out of the car so much with him that like, and also for the first 
eight to nine weeks he was alive, he took all of his naps in the doona and it was just, we didn't, you know, with working full time and no childcare for him, like we did what we could to stay alive. But does that, is that a sick, what I know you did the comparison of a doona and another brand and I'm totally forgetting. Yeah. Dual right. It's a brand new one. That's a stroller car seat combo. Yep. Oh, it's new. Okay. So what, before that one came out, what were your thoughts on a doona? I love it. I think it's a great option. I think especially for city dwellers or people that travel a lot, it passes the same crash test standards that every other currency passes. And again, with proper use, it's as safe as anything else. I think it meets a lifestyle need for many people. And I think that has to be a consideration when you're purchasing a car seat. Amazing. Thank you. Great. I will continue to use my Duna for the foreseeable future. Let's do keep the head thing in. The head thing has to be in the whole time. Yeah, I think we have a head thing in. Oh, like the around? Padding. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that thing. It's like an extra pillow. He yeah. loves that thing. Yeah. Or She's going to get like really big sometimes. It's like... Oh, uh, like Rachel said, all of our kids have humongous Huge heads too. So Huge. Like we had to take Ezra to a neurologist because his head was so large at a young oh. age. Yes. Okay. Like it's a lot of brains in there. It's something for that colicky kid. That's, that's for sure. Are there any like any other do's or don'ts um, while riding in the car with your kids that you just see so many parents do? I mean, I think the two things that maybe people don't think about as much and again, don't intentionally do is they allow people to sit in their seat without being buckled up, like sit in their vehicle without being buckled up. And that leads to the second thing, which is projectile risk. So anything that's not secured in the car is a projectile. I never, ever even thought about this. This, this applies to any passenger or to anybody that drives. It doesn't have to do with just kids, but like anything that's not properly contained or restrained in the car is a projectile, meaning it could fly around in a crash and really hurt somebody. I think obviously people's bodies are huge projectiles if they're not buckled in. So a lot of times people will slide in the back. Like you talked about moms sitting in the middle that we see sometimes, or like my dad will get in the back and I'll be like, he's a larger person. I'm like, you're not going until you buckle up, man. Cause your big body would be do some serious damage <laughs> to the rest of us. So I don't, you know, if you don't want to do it for your life, you're going to do it for ours. Everybody buckled up, no matter what, no matter how short the drive and just being aware of all the clutter and crap that's in the car and putting some systems in place to try to contain it. It's, I think it, just creating a level of awareness is super helpful. Um, I still remember I went to a one-on-one consult and um, the family, the dad was, um, he was a contractor. The amount of tools that were in the back of that car that were just freely floating. Oh, wow. And you think, oh my God, like if this There would be hammers and wrenches and there was a sledgehammer just flying around in the car. That stuff is scary. But if you just let's get a box to put it in and then that box can't fly through, there's not enough room for it. So it's that that's something that I think a lot of people just don't consciously think of. And then when you but when you become aware of it, there are things you can do to just make it safer without a whole lot of effort. That's so true. That's such a good point. As you were saying that, I was thinking about the 50 matchbox cars that our kids have hoarded into our car. Yeah. But you softer sided things. Out the car. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have toys and stuff for your kids. 
we have a whole like list on Amazon that our safe and safety community helps compile of favorite, like softer sided toys, ones that are less risky. And again, if you just start thinking that way, you're going to, you're going to buy toys either way. So it's like, if I can buy a couple that are probably better for the car, then I will. So you mean the two foot long Hess airplane that my son brings into the car is not safe. Yeah. Probs not probably not. I mean, it's not, it's not the safest option, but he, it's also, again, I'm a realist. So we may have a child who refuses to not ride without that airplane and is going to walk around without, you know, is going to tantrum and never get in the car seat. I'll leave him. Work with him on some other options. Yeah, we could try, you know, I think it's worth a, worth an effort. Just give him some dried mango. He'll be happy. He's fine. There's a lot of ways to bribe your children these days. I mean, for sure. I'm definitely of the bribery school parent. <laughs> yes. Um, I posted a reel just before we hopped on and it was like, I saw things, it. Things I said I would never do as a mom. Bribery is a hundred percent one that I, with the song, you can only do four of them. And if I do like a part two, bribery is huge. Everything is bribery, bad. threatening to take things away that are not at all related <laughs> to the current situation that I tell myself every day I will not do because it doesn't make sense. And every day I do it. I have a container of Legos in my closet hiding behind my bags that I took away from my son because he wouldn't listen to me. And they're just missing there for two months. Like whatever. Clearly you didn't really like them. I took Um, a uh, building tent down thing today for my daughter who pulled one out to try to like come after me with it. And today when she comes home from school, she's going to wonder why it's gone. Your daughter sounds like the one who gives you a run for your money. My son is a special needs kid. So he gives me a run for money in a different way. Um, but I can like, uh, not that I can understand it, but I can anticipate it more because I know what we're dealing with, but my daughter, she is just, she is fireman. She is. I I don't know what I'm going to get with her, when I'm going to get it and what is going to set her off. Oh my God. It sounds like what Ezra will be like in in a few years. That's, that's for sure. Michelle, you are amazing. I cannot wait for everyone to listen to this episode. Do you have any more questions? No. Okay. Cause like I had a lot more written down, but I like, yeah, I it's been an hour and I want to be respectful of your time because this was so informative. Thank you so much for taking the time. I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can find some of your resources and all about your Instagram, your social media, your new YouTube channel, all of the things. Oh, we're trying, trying to get in more of the places. Uh, Instagram is by far where people will see me the most and our handles at safe in the seat, but their website's going to be the best place to kind of guide you to everything that you want to find. We're actually in the process of revamping it to make it even easier for people to find exactly what they're looking for based on the stage that they're in. Um, but yeah, follow on YouTube, please, or subscribe or whatever all the words are in all the different places. I'm excited about YouTube for all the searchable free stuff that we can bring to people that's more in depth in the same style that we do everything else. So amazing. Thank you, Michelle.